All right, Jeff, I know we don't have a dress code here, but you know, you got your T-shirt on and shorts, and we have some semblance of decorum or something, don't we? I mean, I was hoping that you were not going to be videotaping anything tonight. So well, no, I'm, I'm working a um, uh, tree snare volunteering for a basketball camp at a local congregation not far from you. So I'm going straight from here to, uh, so you're teaching to the ball the young court. ones how to play basketball. Some of the right? finer points of the skills of basketball. So okay. yeah, we are having fun well, with that. Well, so I'm, I'm sure. Thank you for listening you to the well Fields Brothers Show. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I am Roger Fields, and I guess I'm tasked with the intro with my brother Jeff Fields. And we're in Central Kentucky, and we like to talk about whatever we think is interesting, funny, and we love to talk about the grace of God and life on this side of the cross. And so, anyway, so Jeff's going to be running out of here and going to um, teach kids how to play basketball. And we do, uh, sometimes we forget to mention, it's been a long time since we mentioned our email address, so why don't we do that? Can Folks can email sure. us. If you, um, if you like the program, email roger at thefieldsbrothers.com if you have complaints or gripes please email jeff at thefieldsbrothers.com so if there you, you have complaint, com, complaints or gripes about roger then you, oh. you, you email <laughs> jeff at thefieldsbrothers.com and we are having a fields brothers where i may be the only one there of the brothers but anyway a retreat in november november 7 to 9 i've already got several interested in that and uh, in uh, south of knoxville with uh, phelan doetry from ireland and just gonna be hanging out for um couple nights and the uh, evening before and the day in the middle and the morning after you know it's not a formal conference with you know lectures and things like that but uh Phelan will be guiding some uh, just conversations sitting around with a small group so or, you just know, please tell me you're not going to be 30. golfing so, during this no golfing. probably not probably not i don't know if he golfs or not there's a lot of people in ireland golf but I, i've I, heard I, that I yeah know. but no we probably won't be doing that but anyway so uh, email me if if right. you're if you've not already let me know about that one quick thing before we get i just learned this i don't know if you know this or not i was going to mention it before we started recording but i thought no i'll just wait till after we record um and i just learned from our cousin david a little while ago that andrew farley is going to be only about an hour and 40 minutes from here the Sunday after next. Did you know that? No. Where at? Um, Vine Grove, Kentucky, I think. It's kind of north of Elizabethtown a little bit. Huh. And evidently he's going to be preaching at a at a congregation there that morning. I may make and, a trip. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I, I just learned about it like so an week hour from ago. Sunday. We are not this Sunday, but a week. So July uh, 2nd would be that. Well, and I know hmm. he has one or two board members that live in Kentucky, so I'm assuming – that may have something to do with why he's coming here, but that'd be fun to, to show up there That's on cool. a Sunday morning and see him. But anyway. And did you hear where they had Jeopardy? Did you hear about the three contestants that didn't get the question? Did you hear this? Oh, now, I occasionally are, see headlines on okay. Jeopardy. These are three. You know, these are smart people that play. You right. don't play Jeopardy if you're you know if you're struggling academically yeah. or you I mean these are smart people. Three contestants could not get the answer to this question. They said just fill in the blank. Well, um, I think I did see this. Yeah, our Go Father ahead. who art in heaven. Blank be thy name. Right, yeah. None, None of them had ever heard of Hallowood yeah. be thy name. That is surprising. That is really surprising I mean, to me. I mean, just the song is well known. You know, the Lord's Prayer song, but... Well, that, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I watched occasionally, not real often, but occasionally. But it's always fun when they have a Bible column, you know, category, something like that. I mean, they know all this stuff like that, and so. completely... I mean, you have to be fairly Bible illiterate not yeah. to know what yeah. that word would be. Anyway. So. That is a fairly easy hey, word. Yeah, we had a, one of our listeners, Jeff, and I'm going to propose a question to you. Oh, is this the one we did? I was going to ask you if we were going to. We got a question from a listener a couple weeks no, ago. No, no, this is that what you're talking no, about. No, no, this is a different okay. one. Okay, new one. Somebody that called me. Okay, okay, 
And I, I said, first I thought, huh, you know, I thought, okay, it's kind of a wonky question. I thought, well, actually, it's kind of a good question. And I'm going to give it to you. Okay. I'm going to throw it over on you. It's real simple, but it's kind of deep when, the more you think about it. And he said, what kind of mood do you think God is in? Oh, that's an easy one. Go ahead. God is in a good mood. I don't have any questions. You don't think he that. ever gets sad about anything? I mean, does he get sad about the evil in the world? I don't. I don't not in the sense of you know he's in one mood one hour and another mood the next well, time. But I mean, things like that. He's got we. He's he's a God is a personality. He's not a force that's right. I mean, Jesus got sad at times when so he cried, and right. Jesus had different and he wept emotions. over Jerusalem. Yeah. That, that type of thing. So in the, in that sense, but. You know, part of this gets back to time. You know, well, kind of. You know, as we say, he's God this way one minute and this way the next. Well, right. he, he doesn't have minutes to minute because he's right, outside right. of time, so it's kind of hard to. Well, I mean, but so, that's not but a bad. I, I think the overruling thing is yes, he's in a good mood. No, yeah, I mean, I don't think he's grumpy. I mean, I don't think that. You know, I'm not saying that. But is there times when he can, you know, feel sorrow for sadness? I mean, I think he does yeah, have emotions. I, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, he. You know, the idea of weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. So yeah. I think he, you know, shares in our pain and, and sorrow and that type of thing. So, yeah. All right. But, um, you know, that really is, you know, the idea that God is love. Um, I mean, we've, we've heard that all of our lives. But when you really think about that, that the God of this universe, first of all, is, that there is a personal God of this universe, and he is love, Philosophers of the year put it this way: the universe is friendly. Mm-hmm. I mean that that is a yeah enormous realization. Isn't it interesting though that you can have a doctrinal perspective, one that we would say would be legalistic or whatever, where you can just kind of gloss over Bible statements like that, gloss over that kind of scripture where it says God is love. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah God is love, and you just kind of poo-poo yeah. that in a way. You know, you kind of yeah, you know it, but. He's upset, you know. He, he's a god okay. of anger and vengeance. And so. you're, you're teeing up a couple things for All me. Right, go ahead. I was going to bring up go one ahead. of these, and so a couple different things. One of them is, and I forget who, who heard mention this, but, you know, I think fruit of the Spirit. So we know the got nine different mm-hmm. things there, love, joy, peace. You know, if you bring up someone in a different in a different conversation, not talking about the fruit of the Spirit, you know, but God is love and all this, what, what's the normal comeback by some? Well, yes, he's love, but mm-hmm. he's holy and he's just and he's... Yeah, we got to count balance and everything. That. Right, yeah, we, we're all into that. Well, yeah. you think of the fruit of the spirit. So, I mean, is the Holy Spirit God? Yes. So, the fruit of the spirit: love, joy, peace, holiness, wrath. No, you know, yeah, right? None of those yeah. things are in there. Right. Goodness, you could twist around, but I don't think that's what goodness is talking about there. Yeah. So, yeah. yes, is God holy? Yes. Is He just? Yes. Is there such a thing as God's wrath? Yes. But you know, those are not His essence. Right. That and so the right. fruit. Of the, the other thing. And you know, I have a you know, I take some time jotting out all these notes, getting ready for a podcast, and then a couple hours ago, I came across something, and I thought, okay, I'm going to bring this up tonight. Does that happen to you too? Where you kind of think you know what you know? No, I prepare, Jeff. Well, no, I, I prepare pre- too. <laughs> I'm saying that. Yeah, sometimes, yeah, it does. So, okay, let me. Um, I'm going to describe. So, think of people in a congregation that are taught God is love, but they're also taught a very harsh, demanding God that he's always looking at. I, yeah. I quoted, I put that Steve McVeigh quote on yeah. Facebook a week or two. You know, if, if you see God is always kind of looking over you, watching you, and if you mess up, then, you know, you, you're going to be 
judged for it or but when you're good he's good and and that type of thing so picture that type of person that's in that type of a congregation hearing that type of a message so i'm going to describe some kind of symptoms of that type of person okay and so one of them would be you know that they still even though they're hearing a message that is really depressing and hearing a message that is very you know leads to bondage and and does not lead to joy they still show a lot of admiration and love for their teachers and preachers doing that. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, there's a parallel to that. Okay, well, that maybe you already, maybe you're okay, heading, go heading ahead. off here. All right. And if we try to help them be free from that, they don't want our help. Right. Know, they, they don't want to right. be free from right. that. And they even they def- become dependent on it. Right. And they defend the people that are actually oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. keeping them in oh, bondage yeah. that way. And they're trying to please, you know, these yeah. leaders that are keeping them in bondage. And, you know, they don't want to. They don't want to be free, and they don't want to say anything bad about them. So what I've just read is actually the symptoms of what's known as Stockholm Syndrome. Are you yeah. familiar with that phrase? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that where you were thinking? No. Is that the parallel? So what this is, that's, and, and it came up, and, and I saw a quote that is interesting. earlier this know. evening. I mean, this is a shocking quote. I might share this on Facebook. This is from John Crowder. John, John can be very brash at times. He says, when penal substitutionary atonement, so that's the idea that, you know, God's just out to whack us, or, you know, he whacked Jesus instead of us type mm-hmm. of thing, and just an angry God. When penal substitutionary atonement and eternal conscious torment, the idea, and we've talked a little bit about that, when that is preached so thunderously from Western pulpits, one must wonder if most parishioners' love for God is not, in fact, merely Stockholm Syndrome. Mm-hmm. So Stockholm Syndrome is a recognized condition or kind of a psychological condition when someone has been in captive, mm-hmm. you know, literally kidnapped or, or in captive, they start thinking more fondly of their captors mm-hmm. than what is reasonable. And, and it's like they, they think it's kind of the captors because they don't kill them. Mm-hmm. You know, they let them live and they start getting attached. Is that to kind of what maybe what happened to Patty Hearst? Remember that she was abducted, kidnapped, and she ended up siding with the kidnappers. And probably, I'm know. not as old as you are, so I don't remember that quite as clearly as, as, okay. as you would. <laughs> but or maybe the, you just weren't paying attention the, like I was. Or. But there are a lot of examples like that. And I mean, when you think about that, and, and the view of God, so it's you know, it's 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 not the real God. You know, when they hear of a God who they're told loves you. But if you mess up, you know, if you don't do things just yep. right, See, that that that's it's a very lo- similar. Type love of thing. is always qualified. Yeah, you, you you can't just tell people God is love and God loves you. That just won't stand. Yeah, but you know, he can get pretty upset when you. But and here's one of my favorite ones: is that you know when you mess up, God withdraws fellowship from you basically until you get your act together. I mean, think about that. I mean, that's yeah. that's the God we have depicted. That's the God a lot of Christians believe in. Yeah, he's up there, and we may be forgiven, but if we mess up. And then the question becomes, so what does it take then to get back into God's acceptance? You have to have, what, three good days in a row, a week? I mean, what, you know, it, it, this whole thing is so circular. It, it, I mean, it sends you around mm-hmm. in circles. You believe one thing one day. One day, you know, God's love. God loves me and accepts me. The other day, I'm, I'm not so sure, and... No wonder Christians get and, frustrated. And, and you know, I think I think there's a lot of Christians that are mad at God and they won't admit it because you feel guilty if you're going to admit that you're mad that that you they really don't haven't been told and re, it's not been revealed to them the love the genuine love of a father. 
and they know they're supposed to love God, and they hear these things about God loves them, but it's just there's still that. Well, the, you know, yeah, and it's, they, mi- it's mixed in with the. the well, other stuff. In, in the verse they know the, the most about that is that you know love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, yeah. mind, and strength. So they believe the burden of love really is yeah. on them. Yeah. You know, we got to make sure we're loving God with everything we've got, but He can kind of have a very qualified love where maybe he does maybe he doesn't depending on how we're performing it is really a messed up we have really messed up the gospel there's no question about it that reminds me of just a real quick quote i forgot where i got this now it says if you're starting to think god is too good to be true you're moving in the right direction oh yeah and yeah, i, I think sure. it's absolutely true yeah yeah so if, so if yeah. you find yourself yeah think well, he's got that good now and this brings another point so the quote here if, if you're starting to think god is too good to be true you're moving in the right direction so, but what happens if a lot of people start talking like this? Man, God's even better than I thought. You know, you can just imagine someone else telling them, oh, well, yeah. we'll tamp that down in a hurry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, God's ways are oh, higher yeah. than your ways. Yeah. And, 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 and we, I think one of the greatest disasters, the, the, the worst things that goes on in so many churches is that believers are taught not to trust their hearts, not to believe. Now, obviously, we can all be deceived and things mm-hmm. like that. But that's different than, and so something like that. So, you know, I just sense in my heart the love of God. Oh, now you're, you know, yeah. that could be Satan. You know, that could be a false spirit that's, you know, and I, I think that's horrible to, that we've trained believers not to trust. And when I say the heart, it's really the Holy Spirit within them, not to trust the spirit within them. And um, I think that can be much more of a guide. So I'll tell you, I, I'm always just blown away on social media how there's so many people that seem to make it their ministry, you know, quote unquote, to just tamp down somebody else's sense of security in God, somebody else's sense of peace or joy. Um, I mean, it's amazing to me. And some of these are just, you know, rank and file church members, and some of them are are nationally known ministers who just seem to have, I mean, a drive to make sure that Christians always feel bad about things. Some of them even say, you know, if you're not Mm -hmm. feeling bad about your sin, then you're really not, then you're really not saved. You're really not a Christian. Really? That's why Jesus came. That's why he came, to die for us, give his life for us, give us his righteousness, rise again from the dead so that we could go around all day moping about yeah. maybe what's some failure that we've had. I mean, yeah. really, that's the, that's the plan. You know that old children's song that we learned from Nehemiah? You don't hear this much anymore, but the joy, it's in the book of Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Yeah. You know, that is pretty significant, yeah. I think. that. Yeah, they were it, miserable, it's, it's and Nehemiah, not, you know, corrected them. He said, y'all, you know, yeah. Joy of the Lord's right. He didn't want the people down and depressed and in the dumps and and that that text about that and that, I, were, and that was in the old covenant, right? Yeah. I mean, so if it was there then, yeah. You know, it is amazing how much. You know, I, th- I thought of this the other day that in the Psalm and, and David quotes Psalm or one, I think Psalm one hundred three. You know how f- he's moved our transgressions as far as the east is from the west. He's moved our transgressions from us. Well, that was in the old covenant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's a reminder that the new covenant is actually older than the old covenant. I mean, the new covenant was the covenant all along. You know, mm-hmm. from the beginning, from the foundation of the world. Um, new, the old covenant was put in for a particular purpose temporarily, but it is, and, th- and that verse uh, that I. Started to quote a while ago, you know, God's ways, his, you know, God's thoughts are not our thoughts, his ways yeah. are not our ways. We usually bring that up in kind of an ominous type of tone, yeah. where the context of that right after it, it talks about God's mercy and goodness. So it's right. really right. God's ways are not our ways because he's, he's better than we think. Yeah. And, and that I mean, and I would say, like, in comment to what the statement you made earlier, I would say if you've never thought that the gospel is too good to be true, then you probably don't know the gospel. Yeah. You probably don't get it. And you've never thought about it. If the gospel doesn't seem too good to be true to you, you don't get it. You do not get the gospel. That's a good general 
test. I think if you think it's guidelines. if you think it's oh yeah if if it's kind of a oh I understand it's better than the other option. yeah yeah but yeah. then you don't get it and it's I mean the the and that's why also I may mention this a long time ago I, I think you know the idea of God is love that seems to be and I think you and I would acknowledge this now the longer you live the more you see that and and the more you see God is love so I don't think it's a coincidence that you know the Apostle John. Now he didn't. Paul wrote more about love than anybody, just because he wrote so much of the New Testament. But in terms of the density of it, mm-hmm. you know, the Apostle John, and he lived a lot longer than all the other apostles, and a lot of other teachers through the years. You know, the older mm-hmm. they get, the more they gravitate toward this realization of God as love. Yeah. And so I don't think that's a coincidence. So. This I think this goes in a little bit of what we're talking about. But have you ever thought about the fact that we tend to see the gospel not as a cure? And we said, actually, we tend to see just everything about God now. It's not somebody who's given us a cure, who's solved everything, but it's a God who gives us an opportunity to balance things. You know, it's legal. We, yeah, it's legalism. But yeah. I mean, to say we, we look at everything in in, in, in terms of balance. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, you do some bad. You have a bad day. Then what do you got to do, Jeff, to get back in God's good acceptance? You got to have a good day. Mm-hmm. You got to balance it. Got to balance it. Even when we talk about God as love, we well, got to balance that. I mean, we we look at we, we kind of inject balance into almost everything, and some things are not balanced about this. The gospel is not balanced; it is goes way beyond balance. I mean, it's the goodness of God expressed in Jesus for what He's done for us, and it's a cure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's that the the the. The picture, the symbol of our legal system is the scales. Mm-hmm. You know, it's supposed to be blind justice. You got the lady, mm-hmm. the, right. you know, the blindfold. That's two, and they're trying to weigh everything equal. So uh, you're exactly and right. In the justice system, that. that's fine, but when it comes to right. relation with yeah. God, that's not the way it, it works. It's not in the you know, the, and we are so quick. Uh, I'm I'm just more and more convinced of this. Way too quick to, to view everything from a legal standpoint with that. You know, we, before you mentioned the question, are we going to deal with that other question we got from a podcast listener? Someone asked us about quantum life. Remember that question? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. We won't get in the details of that, but um, see, who I was who, 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 who was who, who was that? that? We had some podcast. Oh, it was mom. That's who it was that asked us about quantum life. Oh, you remember her question. question to us? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, goodness. Go ahead. So, go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm just, we don't need to get into it, but we did get a uh, I'm sure, Jeff, you know, with. listen, lots of men our age have moms who ask them questions about quantum, quantum physics. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think this is a normal thing, really, you know. I, I guess so. I think. Uh, <laughs> so we, uh, she pretty much stumped the panel, though. I think yeah. we can say that with, with her questions. Hey, so. let, me, let me go through something here with you, okay? Okay. This is one thing. I, I might do a video about this one time, sometime. And here's just what I want to throw out to people. I just said, have you just ever wondered? how things change. In other words, have you just ever wondered how initially, you know, you forgive first to get forgiven, mm-hmm. then you're forgiven first. So how that happened. He ever wondered how it was all about denying self and then all of a sudden then it becomes about putting on a new self. Have you ever wondered, you know, why, why this change? You know, you hunger for righteousness and all of a sudden you're made righteous. You follow Christ and all of a sudden you're in Christ. And, and all those things were really not possible to begin with. So, yeah. I mean, we didn't actually but, get forgiven by forgiving others, but that was the right. That but, was the law but, to, to help us. But the, the thing of it, we don't. Here, here's what I'm getting. Now. Let me go through a couple of things here. Let me see if I can make it. So I can make this point. And then, we, you know, you, you enter His presence, and we, then, then all of a sudden, God's always present with you. 
you take up the cross, and all of a sudden you've been crucified. You get blessed, and all of a sudden you, the Bible says you are blessed. You've been blessed. Yeah. Um, at one point you're a thirsty deer, then all of a sudden now you've got rivers of living water on the inside. Yeah. You have to be a disciple, and you got to do these things to be a disciple. Then all of a sudden everybody's a disciple, you know, mm-hmm. according to the book of Acts. Um, you, you have to be perfect like your Father in Heaven is perfect. It's perfect that all of a sudden you have been made perfect. It goes from being a goal to a current yeah, reality. Right. Yeah. And so last one, you know, you, there's more of these. But, you know, you created me, God, a clean heart, and then all of a sudden you have a new heart. And yeah. so, I mean, do people ever ask themselves, what changed? Why are these things either contradictory in the Bible or how did they evolve? And... One of the things that has happened fairly recently is going to some of this with somebody that when I explain that the difference is there's only one thing that all these have in common, one thing, and that is what was first happened before the cross. Mm-hmm. All the things that listed second are things that happened after the cross. The cross is what made the difference in each one of these examples. And when you say that, people, a lot of people say, I always wondered that. I always wondered why things change. And I think there's a lot of people that fall in that category like why did things change i think a lot of people just hear the different verses and don't even know which ones came before what i'm not saying they even i'm not saying they do right i agree with you they would i would just say what's why is it why is it different yeah why Why is it one way and then another way why are there conflicting seemingly conflicting thoughts in there yeah right and and so i mean you know it's essentially difference between law and grace old covenant new covenant that that Oh, I heard something the other day that goes along with what you mentioned, and I forgot who it was I was reading or listening to. But you mentioned, where, didn't you mention a few weeks ago about the last days? Yeah, being oh, yeah. the end of the old covenant yeah. Yeah. type of thing. I want to talk about that again too. Maybe and, next podcast. And I and something I read or heard, you know, definitely dovetailed with that. But it also pointed out that you know all the emphasis when we think of the last days as being all leading up to some catac, you know, catac. What's that word? Cataclysmic. That word? Yeah, that's a good word for it. Yeah. Um, you think about all the cults through the years, they all thrive on that. Yeah. They oh, yeah. all, I mean, how many false teachers and cults have come up all based on a fear of some right. horrible event that's right. getting ready to happen? Right. right. And, you know, the, even the word apocalypse doesn't mean in the Greek what we think of me. You know, we think of apocalypse as some disastrous total destruction. Apocalypse means lost. And yep. I mean that in Luke fifteen, the the coin, the sheep, the, the son that was lost. It's from the Greek word apolion or apocalypse. Yeah. And so, and so, yeah, I'm I'm more and more convinced. Um, I hate to admit this. I hate to admit it, but I'm more and more convinced you were right on that, and and pointing that out. I agree with you at the time. It wasn't that I disagreed. So what was the exact it. point that I made? But the last days. These oh, last the last days, days in the, in being, the book of Acts. being the end oh, of the yeah. covenant, not the end of time as we know it. And right you know, now, I think there is a phrase. A last day's phrase that said, I think, First Timothy, may, that, that may be in reference mm-hmm. to the second coming. But the, the one in Acts is not in reference to the second coming. What it says in Acts I'm 2, in these oh. last days, okay, yeah. your sons and daughters and all, and all that. And it, that is not talking about the, the last days before the second coming. That is absolutely talking about the last days of the old covenant. Because he says right in there, uh, the day is coming when just whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Yeah. And you're thinking... I mean, you imagine, but imagine what a jolt that was. Like, are you kidding me? You just call the name of the Lord. That's it. You know, you don't go. I mean, <laughs> just you know, well, really, there's a day coming when that's how it's going to work. And yeah, that day was approaching. I mean, they were really in it and transitioning into it. The, the, the reality was already there, 
They were just coming to terms yeah. with the reality. And that's what I'm reading more and more, and, I, and I'm a client. I've not studied this out. I've got good friends that have, but more and more in terms of the book of Revelation that that the vast majority, if not almost all of it, is not really talking about end times as we think of end times, but was it was geared to the first century readers yeah. and was kind of in code because of the Roman government. And um, uh, there's a, again, I've not studied it out, so I'm not yeah. prepared to defend I know all that's that. One, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, 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 I think don't know. there is a, a good chance yeah. of that. Yeah, it may be. But, you know, this you mentioned the book of Acts. You know, I sometimes wondered, I don't know the answer to this, but, you know, we're familiar with the Philippian jailer and the earthquake comes. Yeah. And the jailer says, you know, what must I do to mm-hmm. be saved? And Peter says, you know, believe on the Lord, mm-hmm. you and your household and all that. You know, I, so what did that flipping jailer have in mind? You know, I don't think he had in mind heaven or hell there. I don't, I don't think he had in mind. I don't know what he had. You know, yeah. I, I think he was more temporal minded, you know. <laughs> yeah. you know. He knew he was in big trouble right yeah. here and now. Oh, yeah, so I don't know. Did. But uh, anyway. He's going to be so. blamed for this jailbreak. Yeah. That was for sure, yeah. Um, so anyway, hey, let me give you a final scripture. Can I okay. do that? Yep. This is, I just take, I keep kind of keep drawn, being drawn back to this. And so I printed it out in the amplified version. You know the verse well. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. He says, for we are his workmanship, in parentheses in the uh, um, amplified version, it says his own master work, a work of art. Some translations say uh, masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Okay. Poem, it can be. It's like a poem. Yeah, the it can word be a poem. Uh huh. Created in Christ Jesus, uh, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works. Now, I believe the good works means anything that's good for anybody. It could be something that's good for you. Something yeah. that's good, just good stuff. He, he right. prepares you for good stuff. Doesn't necessarily mean you're going to start a food bank or whatever you might. But it just goodness comes out of it, mm-hmm. which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which He. Uh, which he set, so that we would walk in them, living the good life, which he prearranged and made ready for us. I kind of like that. Yeah. What, what so translation? That, that, that's yeah. the amplified version okay. of Ephesians chapter two, verse ten. But the fact that you're God's work of art—that's mm-hmm. a—that's a great way to think of yourself. Yeah. Does, the, the, here is work of art. Yeah. Does the picture on the easel? Does that? Does the painting? Does the canvas fret about what it's going to end up looking like? No. no. The artist is in charge. Yeah. The artist is, he just knows what he's doing. Relax and let it happen. Yep.